Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. All right, well again, I want to welcome you here today. We are going to be in part three of our Breathing Room series and just want to encourage you as always, if you have missed any of these messages, just to make sure you go back and watch them. We have a team that works hard to put video podcasts and audio podcasts and on the app and all that stuff. Uh, just because when you miss part of a series, it definitely uh, it takes me too long to catch you up, especially now that we've gone to three services. Uh, they've, they've cut my time way back, and uh, no one's excited about that, right? Uh, you guys just all want me to be a little bit longer. but uh, So I encourage you. I don't have time to recap even like I normally would. And so make sure you go back and watch all of these messages as they play an important part of the entire series. Well, in this series, we've been talking about how do we create breathing room in our lives, and that's really just the space between our current pace and our limits, or maybe you say it this way, between your current load that you're carrying and the limits that you were designed to carry in your life. And you see, when there's no space between your load and your limits, uh, we begin to redline our lives. And when we do that, the stress increases, our relationships suffer because of it, our focus begins to narrow, we tend to neglect other important things in our lives, and it's easy to blame a lot of different things for no breathing room or margin in our lives, but at the end of the day, uh, we have to take control of our lives and create margin where it matters most. And so we've been talking about relationships, or I'm sorry, past week talking about our time and how we have to surrender our calendar to the Lord and allow him to create the space in our calendar and in the pace of our lives. And today, we're going to talk about money. Oh, man, did you pick a day to come to church? Like, I just came to see my niece get baptized, man. Why you got to talk about money? Uh, don't worry. Listen, already, I'm not asking for any of your money, okay? So just... Take a deep breath, no pressure, there's no special offering today at the end of service, Uh, and and I think what we have to realize is is in Scripture, uh, Jesus teaches a lot about money, but it's not because he needs something from you, it's because he wants something for you. And I believe that God wants many of you to experience financial freedom in your life. He wants you to have financial breathing room when it comes to your finances. And this message will probably be the most practical message in the series, uh, but also, I believe, one of the most spiritual, and I'll have more on that later. You see, when your money is limited, we don't, uh, when your money is limited, we don't have to limit what we do with our money, right? Because uh, although time is something that we can't borrow, right? We talked about time last week. Once you use it, it's gone. There's no way to get it back. You can't save it. You can't stockpile it. But when it comes to our money, we live in a country where even when you don't have enough money, people will loan you money. Organizations will loan you money. People like Chase, you know, they'll give you a a card and it'll say, here's your new limit that you can have and you can swipe it and I call them plastic people eaters because they destroy people's lives really and so we live in a in a culture in a world not all parts of our world are like that but in our world we can actually borrow money and they'll let you borrow a certain amount and pay 25% interest for the rest of your life right what a great deal you know it's awesome And listen, in our church, because of where it's located, we have many people who work for Chase. So just let me say, it's not Chase's fault. 
okay? You're just a number to Chase, okay? Chase may have given you a limit, but they don't control your spending, okay? That's still up to you. And if you are good with your credit, like some people are, you can actually take advantage of Chase, and they will pay you for using their card at the end of the year. As long as you pay off your balance, it's not a bad deal. Uh, So anyways, it's not their fault. So as we dive in today, financial breathing room, this isn't rocket science. What are we trying to do? Again, very practical. It's the space between your income and your expenses, right? It's the space that you create between your income and what you're spending, your spending limit. Andy Stanley is a pastor down in Atlanta, one of my favorite uh, communicators and leadership people that I follow, and he says this. He says, there's a big difference between your standard of living and your quality of life, but often we believe they are one and the same. And our culture says, if you raise your standard of living, you will have a better quality of life. And I would say, just right off the bat, hopefully you don't believe that. That that is not true because some of you have more money and stuff than you've ever had in your life and you're still not happy. And you still don't have peace. And your relationship still isn't good. And the, your standard of living has gone up over the years but your quality of life maybe has kept pace and in some cases can even go lower. You see, creating breathing room financially may lower your standard of living you got to embrace that, but I promise you this, it will raise your quality of life. They're not one and the same. You see, some of you, again, you have money but no happiness. You have money but no peace. You have a nice home but terrible relationships inside the home. And so today, you need to know that, that more money doesn't make you more happy, that a higher standard of living does not mean you're going to have a better quality of life, but that is the lie that our culture will tell you and teach you and put on every commercial that they can. Raise your standard of living and you'll have a better life. So that's a myth as Christ followers that we need to dismiss. And it's this, what is that myth? If I had more, then I could, right? Many of us believe that. If I just had a little bit more, then I would be fine. I always ask people who are in financial problems, how much more do you need? Well, just a little bit more, and we would be fine. If I just had this much more, I would be fine. But more money just makes you more of what you already are. That's the truth. And it's sometimes the hard truth, but it is the truth. The myth you need to dismiss is if I had more, I could, and you go, could what? I could get out of debt. If I made a little more, then I could get out of debt. If, if, as soon as I get that raise, then we can actually start spending less. As soon as we can get out of this problem, will be this. If, if, I, if I had a little bit more, then I could be generous. Then I could give money away. Then we could make this. If I had a little bit more, then I could scale back at work and I wouldn't have to work as much, right? But listen, I'm telling you, more money just makes you more of what you already are. And if you don't believe me, look up people who have won the lottery. Just look it up. See how many of them get a large sum of money, and within a couple years, it's all gone. Why? Because they spent the same way as they did when they didn't have any. More money makes you more of what you already are. If you don't believe me, think back maybe 10 years. Maybe for some of you, it's even further. I know this isn't going to always work in everyone's situation, but 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you probably made a little bit less than you do right now. You probably made less money. You have more money now But if you have the same spending habits, you will feel the same way as you did when you didn't have as much. Are you guys following me today, right? 
you still feel the same way. Well, I make more money, but my spending habits just continue to go. And that's where we live in one of three places in regard to our finances. Some of you live in this place where you spend less than you make. (sighs) That's breathing room. You actually spend less than you make. You have breathing room. You have a retirement plan. You have money in savings. You are, you're, you're able to be generous, and that's a beautiful place to live. It's the place God wants you to live, but the reality is if statistics in our country ring true, for those of you in this room, most of us do not live here. We don't live here. Second place you can live, you spend what you make. And this is better than spending more than you make, but It's still, as long as your spending matches your income, you will always feel financial pressure. And that's what a lot of us do. We get a raise and we immediately go, hey, as soon as I get a raise, go, sweet, now I can afford this, right? And we just add to our budget. We just create more. And as as long as your your, your income is increasing, but if what you do and your spending increases with it, you will still feel pressure. Listen, no matter how much you make. And some of you, you feel more pressure now even though you make more money because you know when you had a $50,000 a year job, well, I can can find another job that makes $50,000 a year, but now that I make $150,000 a year, that's a little bit harder to find. That's a more challenging situation. And so you make more money, but you feel the same pressure because your spending matches your income. You have no increase or no space in, in your financial And you have the pressure of that. So you spend what you make. And then the third place that we can live is you spend more than you make. Again, you owe Visa, Chase, and and others. And and the burden of debt is crushing you. It's the pressure of debt that's put you in the situation you're in. And let me tell you this. This is the number one cause of strain and divorce in marriages is this place right here. It's debt. It's financial pressure. It's the burden of carrying debt. And what happens is, is when we spend more than we make, we actually become enslaved to money. We become slaves to something that was never meant to control us. Instead of money, again, I don't want to get the wrong idea. There's nothing wrong with having money, but there is something wrong when money has you. And money controls your life, and money controls your decisions, and when we spend more than we make, we become slaves. Look what Proverbs 22.7 says. This is the wisdom literature, and it's very true, right? The borrower is slave to the lender. You're enslaved to the lender. You owe them, and so you aren't free to be who God's created you to be. And some of us have spent or borrowed our way into slavery, and we didn't even know it. We didn't even realize it at the time, and now we find ourselves enslaved to money. You go, well, what does it mean really to be enslaved to money? Do you worry about money? Do you worry about it? Are you concerned about it? Do you feel the pressure of it? If if something were to happen, if if one thing were to shift in the economy, if a 2008 happened again, I would be in big trouble. If if, if this happened, if I was to to lose my job, or if if this boss was to get trained, I don't know what would happen. And we worry, we're enslaved to it. We can't fund the dreams that we really have. We can't fund our kids' dreams. We can't give to other things that are important to us in our lives because we've become enslaved. We're not free to live the life that God's created us to live. And I'm telling you, when it comes to your finances, as hard as it may be, you were created to be free. You were created to have breathing room. When it comes to your finances. And today I want you to know if you're in this place. God isn't trying to shame you. 
He's not trying to make you feel bad for where you're at. The reality is, is a lot of people are in this situation, but I would say this, is he does want to change you. He does want to set you free. And it's not about what he can get from you, it's about what he wants for you. And if he can set you free from living enslaved to money. Jesus talked about money so much, there's really no way that I can ignore it. And in scripture, you know, there's some pastors that will never, ever talk about money because of the perception that comes with churches sometimes. The church just wants your money. The church just needs your money. Let me just tell you today, the church is doing fine. I'm not getting a raise after today's message, okay? I promise you, right? You can laugh. I'm trying to lighten the mood here a little bit. Just help me out, okay? It always happens. You talk about money. It's like, you know, it's not about that. It's not about what we need from you. But Jesus talked about it so much because he knew how important it would be in our life. There's some show that like two-thirds of the parables and, and what Jesus talked about had to deal with money and possessions. Isn't that crazy? To think Jesus had three years of ministry and this is what he spent the majority of his time talking about? Do you think he knew the issue that we would still have with it over 2,000 years later? It's the same issues. It's the same thing. So there's no way that I can ignore it. I love you. And God has given me responsibility to, to preach all of the word of God. And as much as I don't like to talk about it and as much as you don't like to hear it, this is some truth that we need to hear. Why? Because the truth in love, the Bible says, sets you free. The truth will set you free. The truth is what will break you free financially. So Jesus talks about money. And in Luke chapter 16, he's talking to the Pharisees and he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. And then I love the the new living and be enslaved to money. These are Jesus's words. You cannot there's no way. Some of you go, well, how does this work out? Think about maybe a time in your life, and, and maybe this relates a little bit more for, for the ladies in the room, but when you, when you said, I'm going to date this guy, and your parents were like, over my dead body, will you go out with this guy again, or will you date someone like this, right? And so you, but you were in love, right? It's like, dad, I, I can't deny love. Like, who are you to say who I love, right? And so you get in this tug of war, and there's this tension where you're like, I love my mom and dad, but I love him. And there's this tension. As long as you date him, you're not, you know, and there's this tension back and forth. Some of you are laughing because you're like, oh, I've been there, right? And I pray to God I will never be there as a father. But there's this tension, right? And eventually, right, you can't take it. You can't live like this where it's pulling one way and the other. Eventually you go, I'm cutting you off. One of you, are, I have to go. And if you're wise, listen, if you're a student in this room, choose your mom and dad. They actually know more than you think. But that's the place that they're living is what Jesus is saying. You can't serve two. You can't serve money. And actually, the word money here is, trans, is, is the word mammon, which means stuff. This is all it means. It's just possessions. You can't chase the American dream to have the house, to have the cars, to have the vacations, to have all of this. You can't serve that. There's nothing wrong with having it, but you can't serve it and be devoted to God. It says you, Jesus said, you, you're, you're going to have to choose. He goes on in verse 14. He said, the Pharisees who dearly love their money heard all of this and scoffed at Jesus. Like some of you are doing to me right now. <laughs> what does he know, right? One, it's not me, it's Jesus. So you're scoffing at him still today if you believe that. But they're scoffing. They were serving their stuff. They loved their money, Jesus. They loved their stuff. And then Jesus said to them, he goes, look, you appear righteous in public, 
Like you can put on a show, and this goes beyond just the financial. You can worship God. You can wear the T-shirt. You can put the cross around your neck. Like you can put on a show, but God knows your heart. He knows your heart. He knows whether or not you're devoted to him or you're devoted to something else. He knows it. So he's saying you can't fool God. And here's the deal. He says what honors this world, what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Detestable. You can't serve God and serve stuff. You can't love the ways of this world and follow Jesus. He's saying it's impossible. You got to choose one or the other. And this is the reason why many of us have become enslaved because we've bought the lie, we haven't we've, we've have dismissed the myth, and we believe that this will actually make us happier. That this way, that is if our standard of living goes up, our quality of life will go up, and it's not true. There's plenty of people who make a lot more than you who have no peace, who have no happiness, who have anxiety and fear and worry. They have the nice house, they have the nice car, and they would trade it in a second for what Jesus offers. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. It causes you to do things you wouldn't normally do. And God says, I know your heart. And that's the thing we always have to remember. God is concerned about your heart. And to follow him means that you leave the ways of this world behind. It means you believe that his way is better, that he's calling you to freedom. You see, when money becomes our master, when we, when we spend our way into slavery, chasing something that will never fulfill us, and when we do that, Jesus is saying, you can't be enslaved to money and follow me. And many of you, you want to be free. You want to be who God's created you to be, but you have no breathing room in your finances. There's no margin in your life when it comes to your resources, and it's choking you out. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, wait a second. My finances are a wreck, Kyle, and I love Jesus. And I would say, true. You can still have a financial disaster happening and love Jesus. You can have a financial mess on your hands and follow Jesus or, or, and believe in Jesus. But I'll say this. You cannot have a financial, no margin, no breathing room, feeling the pressure of finances and follow him. You can believe in him. You can love him, but you can't follow him. Because to, when it means to follow Jesus, it means you are adapting his teachings into your life. You're saying, I believe you and what you're teaching, and I'm going to follow you. That's what Jesus actually calls his disciples to do. They all had different rabbis and people. They would follow their way of teaching. And he says, I'm calling you to follow me. And he said, and it's a good thing. You can cast your cares upon me because the way I teach actually doesn't put a burden on you. It sets you free to be who I've created you to be. And so you can't be in financial disarray and pressure with, and, and be able to truly follow Jesus the way that he wants you to. This is what Jesus taught. Jesus said, don't worry. Do not worry. Those are Jesus' words. Don't fear. Do not worry. But how many of you are worried about your financial situation? How many of you are stressed to the max and you go, well, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to worry, but I've created this, this problem and I worry all the time. I'm stressed out over my, the financial pressure and it's affecting my entire life. And Jesus said, love me and, and serve one another. He said, the greatest commandment that I will teach you, that you have to embrace as my followers, that you love me with all of you got, all your heart mind, soul, and strength. You give that to me. And he says, and then the second thing you do is you love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's Jesus's way. 
And you go, well, I want to love my neighbor, but I can't afford to take time off work to serve my neighbor. I can't love the person who, who needs help from me. I can't give them my time. I can't give them resources because of the financial tension that I'm in. Jesus encourages us to step into our calling and the purpose that he has for our life. And he says, you've been created unique and I've come to give you life and life to the full, but you can't afford to take a pay cut to pursue the dream that God has put in your heart. There's no way that you can lower your standard of living right now with the financial situation you're in. I've actually been talking to people who throughout this series are saying, I felt God calling me into this and into that. And, 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 and if, if financially, if, if my situation was different, I would be able to do it. But I can't right now. Jesus said to give generously to the kingdom of God, to the poor, to take care of the orphans and the widows. But when it comes to our budgets at the end of the month, there's nothing left over for anyone. There is no margin to help others. So you can believe in Jesus. You can love him, but there's no way you can follow his teaching if you don't have any breathing room in your finances. All right, now that we got that over with, everybody take a deep breath. All right. So what are some practical steps that we need to take? And I'm going to get very practical today. You know, I'm not Dave Ramsey, but this could be Dave Ramsey up here. You know, this is very practical. So if you don't have the the app to have the notes on, but for some of you, this is going to be very practical advice that will help you. So what are some steps to financial freedom? What are some steps to financial margin, breathing rooms when it comes to our finances? The first one is this. You have to decide to get free. I know it's basic, right? But this is where you got to get. You have to decide, I want to be free to be who God created me to be. Free so that I can follow the plan and the teachings of Jesus. I've already surrendered my time as we talked last week. Now I'm surrendering my finances. But you have to decide. Do you know why other people in this room have financial margin and breathing room in their life and you don't? It's not because they're smarter than you. It's not because they make more money than you. It's because they chose to. They could buy the bigger house. There's actually room in their budget to live in a bigger house, but they said no. They could have bought the new car and traded in the other one, but you said, you know what? This one's paid off. It still runs. I'm going to keep driving this thing. Right? They've made decisions to create the margin, and it's the same thing that you have to do. You see, debt can raise your standard of living, but I promise you this. It's discipline that will raise you your quality of life. It's discipline that will give you a better quality of life. Listen, and you guys are smart people. I don't need to tell you this, right? You're like, wow, rock. You're like, well, yes, I gotta make a decision. I know, Kyle, I need to make changes, but I'm telling you, you have to get to that place where you want freedom more than you want stuff. Where you want to follow Jesus more than you want the American dream. Where you want to follow Jesus and have freedom more than you want the new car, right? You have to get to that place where you go, I believe that Jesus' way is better and I have decided I'm going to be free. And I've seen people do it. I've seen people make that decision. And you guys are smart, you know what you need to do, but you have to get to a place where the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of making the change. You know, I can't stay this way. I can't live this way anymore. I've gotta make a decision to change. So that's the first thing you gotta do, decide to be free. Second thing you then do, once you've got to that place, you then gotta pick a percentage. 
This is where you set breathing room goals, margin goals. How much breathing room do you want? Pick a percentage of your income and then live off of it. I tell people this in premarital counseling all the time. Don't make a budget off of what you make. Decide what percentage you want to live on. And I always say 80 is the starting point. You live on 80% of what you bring in. You give away 10. I've always done that my whole life. I tithe. I trust God with that. I believe in that. That's another message for another day. But I do that. 10% goes to God first. I never see it. It's done. It's automated. It's over. It's given to the Lord. That's his. Then I take 10% and I invest in retirement and savings. Actually, a little bit more than that with where we're at. And again, this week I've gotten so (laughs) convicted because I go, I could be better. I'm not as disciplined as I need to be. I got to get better. And Jess was so happy when I came home with those goals. You know, I was like, all right, babe, this is what we're going to do. Right? And so what is your available income? For me, then it's minus my giving goals. I have a goal to give away and I do that. Minus my savings goals. I got retirement and things I'm investing in and money I'm putting aside for my future. Then that's what I have. Whatever I have left over is my consumable income. And then I make a budget off of that. Pick a percentage. Decide what it is. The greater the percentage the more breathing room you have. And breathing room is a beautiful thing when it comes to our finances. Then once you pick a percentage, then you gotta track your spending. And I would say do this for at least three months. Know exactly where your money's going. Many of you will be amazed when you actually begin to track every swipe, everything, and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea we spent that much money on fill in the blank. You'll be amazed. You'll be like, wow, that's crazy. Man, we could pay off our car in two years if we just stop doing but again many of us you may not be in debt but because you have enough resources you don't even track it you know well, we have enough at the end of the month I don't even know where it goes but thank God there's some left over every month so you have to track it Dave Ramsey always says if you don't tell your money where to go it'll tell you where to go so tell your money where to go track your spending there's a great resource called mint.com M-I-N-T. This is what I use. You can plug your entire budget into it, link all of your online accounts to it. Every time you swipe, it'll tell you. It'll pull it in. You can even put a notification on your phone. Oh, Jess is at Trader Joe's today. Oh, wow. Uh, You know, you can set it up. Use those resources. Track your spending. Then you got to get to the hard part. Cut your spending. You got to cut it. This is the change part. This is the tough part where you go, you know what? We're going to cut this. We're going to stop spending here. It's not easy, but this is necessary. And for me, if you've got to get your priorities in order, we're going to give first, save second, live on the rest. Give first, save second, live on the rest. And I'm going to get to the reason why you've got to give in just a second, and it has nothing to do with this church, I promise you. And then the last thing you've got to do is destroy your debt. Okay? So you're tracking your money. You're cutting it. You're living within budget. You're creating margin. And then what you do is you take that margin and you destroy debt. You pay down your debt. You go after it. You go, look, there's no way. This will take forever. There's just no way to get out of debt. Look, I promise you, when you decide to do it, you can do it. I've heard stories of people just go on Dave Ramsey, look up people's testimonies of what they've done. People have gotten out of hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt within just a few years because they decided to do it. And if you want any help with that, Google Dave Ramsey debt snowball. Just Google that. And it'll give you some instruction on how you can do that better. The band's going to come, and we're going to close out today. Again, this is very practical stuff, but now I want to get a little bit spiritual with you on why this is so important when it comes to your spiritual life. 
And this is why, because if you're a follower of Jesus, and some of you may not be there yet, and that's okay, you're in a safe place, you keep kicking the tires on this thing called faith, you keep walking it out, we'll be with you every step of the way. If you haven't fully given your life to Jesus, you're in a safe place, and it's a great place to be. Take this practical financial advice, use it. But for those of you today who say, I am a Jesus follower, and I want to follow him, and I've committed my life to follow him, I've been uh, serving him, listen, this is a mandate, not an option. This is a mandate for for Christ followers to live this way. He mandated that we have margin in our life. And this is why it's so important to Jesus. In Matthew 6, 21, he lays it out. You've heard this before. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus, as he taught about money, said your heart and your money are tied together. And if you want to change the direction of your heart, if you want to give your heart fully to Jesus, it starts with giving generously to his kingdom. It starts, and when you give, right, you're trusting him with your money. That's what you're doing. You're saying, I trust you with these resources. I trust you with my finances. And he says, your money, your heart follows your money, not the other way around. Notice that. It doesn't say wherever your heart is, there your treasure will also be. It says, for wherever you put your money, your heart will follow. If you don't believe that, go invest all of your savings into one stock and see if your heart won't follow it. You'll be checking on it every day, right? Because they're tied together. And so he says that, look, the the, the chief competitor between me and the ways of this world, following me, the tension that you have to manage, serving God or serving stuff, He goes, the only way to let go of that is to give to Jesus, to invest, to give of what's so valuable to you to the kingdom of God, to give first, to be generous. And it's not because he needs your money. To me, that's one of the most laughable things that even I believe sometimes, that God needs my money, that my little bit that I give actually is significant in the eyes of the one who spoke this world into existence. That somehow my money, and again, it's, it's used, it's stewarded in the right way, God uses it. But I'm just saying that God's mission will happen whether I want to be a part of it or not. He doesn't need our money. It's not about what he's trying to get from you, it's what he wants for you. And Jesus wants your heart. That's what he's always been after. That's why he came to this world, is so that he could have relationship with you. And that's what he wants, not just part of your heart, all of your heart. Because when he has your heart, he will lead you to breathing room in every area of your life. When he has your heart, your marriage is better. When he has your heart, you're a better parent. You're a better Christ follower. You serve better. And when he has your heart, he will lead you to the life he intended you to live. To have breathing room and to not cave under the financial pressures. Listen, your marriage will be better off. Your kids will be better off. Life is better with breathing room. And the only way to get breathing room when it comes to our finances is to kill the lie of the world, to kill the greed that is in all of us. What it thinks is if it comes to me, it's for me. It is not. The assumption consumption says, I assume that everything that God gives me is for me. And my spending and, and has always tracked with my income. As my standard of living goes up, so does my spending, right? And we get in this cycle where there's always financial pressure. And God goes, that's not who I've created you to be. And the only way, according to Jesus, not me, to get your heart fully to him is for your treasure to be there too. Because generosity 
is the only thing that can break the chains of greed that our culture has wrapped around all of us, including me. It's the only way. And you go, well, here it was. If you're asking for money, nope. You don't have to give it here. Be generous somewhere else. Give it to another church. Call the pastor, tell him I told you so. He'll, he'll thank me later. Give it to somewhere else. Give it to another cause you believe in. Give a significant, pick a percentage, give it away. Give it to cancer. Give it to whatever grips your heart. I don't care. Give it somewhere and watch how it will change you. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? The only way to see if it's true is to test them in it. And Jesus, scripture teaches us that this is the only area that we're allowed to test God. The only one. Any other area would be sin. But he says, when it comes to your money, I knew how important it would be to you. Try me out. Try it. Give it away. Don't give it here. Do it if you want. Don't, don't worry about it. Again, we're in a great place. This isn't about what we need from you. I'm telling you, this is about what God has for you. He wants you to be free. He doesn't want your marriage to be burdened with debt. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be able to chase your dream. He wants you to be able to follow his plan for your life. He wants you to be able to serve. He wants you to be able to do that. Why? Because I'm telling you, that is the path to the abundant life that he promises us. When you pour yourself out and you give your time away, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it in the world. When you give yourself away to serve someone else, to love someone else, there's nothing like it. But the only way to do it is to put your money there. It's up to you. But if you want to be free, this is the path that Jesus said. And I know some of you are thinking, you're like, look, I just don't know if I can do this. Kyle, if you knew exactly what was going on, you you just don't know. Listen, I, I get it. I know that it's difficult. And you have to trust God. You have to trust him. You have to trust his way. You have to step out in faith. That's just part of the journey with him. But let's just be honest for a second. Is your current way working? Has what you've been doing got you to where you want to be? Probably not. So what do you have to lose? God says, test me in this. He welcomes you. He invites you to test him in this area of your life and see that he won't bless you, that he won't lead you to a life where you have financial margin, where you have breathing room, and you can breathe freely financially. Would you stand with me today? Father, we love you. We do trust you. Even though it's difficult, even though it's challenging, we believe your way is better. And I pray in this moment that your Holy Spirit would do only what you can do. God, solidify this word in our hearts today. And as we trust you and surrender all that we are to you, God, I pray in this moment that we would be changed by your Holy Spirit. We trust you in Jesus' name.